This episode is brought to you by WeAudition.com, video chat for actors. Audition and get general meetings with casting directors and agents. Get one-on-one career advice from industry professionals. Connect instantly with thousands of other actors to rehearse or self-tape. You can even earn money by being a reader for someone else. Get 25% off your subscription when you use my code ACTION25. WeAudition.com. Video chat for actors. What I try to do with these co-star roles with, with coaching people for them is pull away this idea that it all exists in this split second. I've got one chance to show them, and it's like, fuck that. None of that's going on. That is Michael Kostroff, and I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, the no-bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. Michael is best known for playing the role of Maurice Levy on the hugely popular show The Wire. He has also had recurring or series regular roles on shows like The Deuce, Law and Order, The Good Wife, Luke Cage, The Blacklist, and the list goes on and on. Enjoy this episode. Michael, thanks for being back. I haven't talked to you in uh, in a year. What's been what's been going on? Yeah. Uh, what's been going on? Uh, <laughs> why is that always a hard question to answer? Uh, the usual collection of uh, odd and surprising career things and uh, uh, <laughs> the inexplicable. This is the nature. I talk about this very openly because it's the nature of our career. You just don't know what to what to expect ever. Um, I uh, I decided to shake things up, which I often do, and come out to LA for the fall. Um, uh, you know, at the risk of sounding dickish, uh, uh, this. <laughs> There's kind of a sexy reason for that. I've been on so many of the New York TV shows and I can't be on them again, uh, which is a, the most super high-class problem you could ever have, I know. But uh, I thought, I, I want to come back to L.A. for a little while and, as I say, water that garden. So um, you could probably guess what happened because this is what always happens. I started booking work in New York and I've been flying back and forth like crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think... I've only been out here since September, and what is it now, November? Uh, and I'm about to make my fourth trip back to New York for a job. Wow. So it's wow. very strange, very strange, but but all good. Uh, two of the TV shows that, I'm, that I've been on before decided to have my character back, um, which is Law & Order SVU and Billions. And um, it just, you know, I still have to tell you, Lee, that I, I, I never expected to be at a point in my career where this kind of stuff would happen and even more so than anybody would be asking me for advice, but it, it's, it's such a, such an honor to be in that position because, uh, you know, everything has sort of exceeded my very low expectations for my life. Um, so yeah, I've been dashing around a lot basically. And um, how's, uh, how's LA been for business? Well, um, I mean, I booked, I booked a, something right away when I came out here, I booked an episode of, uh, NCIS and then, Mostly I've been unavailable because I've been in New York filming. So my agents here are like, why are you here? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's been nice being back. I mean, the weather's great. I just, uh, I've been doing more in New York than here. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's real weird. But, you know, I have been teaching here, which is great, and coaching here. You know, it's, uh, I don't typically get out to L.A. very often with my classes. And so it's been great making use of the time to do uh my audition psych 101 class um i've d- gotten to do a few times here and 
people really love it. I, you know, it's one of those things I continue to do it because I continue to get so many emails from people saying that it kind of changed their whole approach to the audition process, and that makes me happy. And you have a new, uh, a new workshop. Yeah, you know, I, I coach a lot. I love coaching. And um, my experience has been that the, the, the small roles, a um, couple of lines on TV, are really, really hard to audition for. They're really hard. And unfortunately, those are the ones that people think, well, it's only a few lines. I'm not going to go get coaching. And in a weird way, a big fat guest star is easier in, in some ways. What happens, particularly in, just in the audition process, um, it's this quick little moment. It's very easy to obsess over, how am I going to get it right? How am I going to nail it? How am I going to do it? And it's like getting shot out of a cannon and then it's over. Uh, and I, I feel that people get really strangely hyper-focused and they try to do uh, weirdly creative things. Uh, you know, One of the hardest things, I think, as an actor is to just play the scene where you come in and you say, Mr. Johnson's on the phone uh, because we're so used to making creative, interesting choices and creating characters and how they feel about their situation. And it sometimes just doesn't apply. You know, this, very often it's say the damn words, tell the guy Mr. Johnson's on the phone, period. Mm -hmm. um, so they're hard. They're hard. So, so uh, yeah, so I started doing a class uh, on under fives. I've, I've done it in Atlanta. I've done it a couple, in a couple of, couple of cities and I'm, I'm going to be doing it here this weekend, which will be after your podcast comes out, I'm sure. But um, um, I started doing it like a scene study class where we, we work on sides. We look for the clues. There are often little hidden clues on the page. And finding what I call the, the juxtapositions. Uh, let me see if I can explain what I mean by that. Um, very often when you're in a small role, you're there as a device so what approach to that small role is going to set up the other actor the best, right? Mm -hmm. Finding the function of your, yes. your tiny little character in the entire, in that scene or, or in, the, in right. the entire thing. Right, exactly. Uh, um, I, yeah, I can't think of an example at the moment, but, 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 but it's, it's tricky because when we get involved in how we want to come across and make an impression on the casting director, we sometimes make choices that really don't serve what the scene needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talk a lot and work, work a lot on, find, on finding that stuff, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and a big, a big function of my, of my class on that is sort of shaking people loose from the idea that there's one way to go in and say it and you're going to get a part and, you know, and, and trying a bunch of different ways, that some that don't even make sense just to shake people loose from that that mm -hmm. weird that we have on them. Um, this talk comes at an interesting time because uh, I've done co-stars before and uh, I auditioned for them a lot. I was terrible at the beginning and then I got better and better at them and I understood more what they were and stopped trying to impress the casting director and started doing my job. And, uh, and then I started to get auditions for larger roles and kind of stopped auditioning for co-stars. I mean, there would not, I didn't purposely stop, but they just, I would be called in more for uh, guest stars and whatnot. Um, right. I got called in for a co-star um, a few months ago, and the line was, vodka soda, can I buy you another? And I got so nervous Yeah. before I went in. I was, I was floored by the, I was so relaxed. I thought, 
Easy peasy, no problem, didn't even think about it. And right before I got in the room, I got cripplingly nervous yep. and completely fucked up. <laughs> it was yeah. the worst audition I've done in, uh, in years. I, I, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I, I, you know, I built my whole, my whole resume started with these little, uh, roles and they really can mess you up. Um, uh, I think, I think the biggest part of that is the obsessive search for some, that there's some magical way to do it. And when we get into that obsession, it really messes with us as opposed to find out if the lady wants another vodka soda. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a one of those weird little obvious things that has affected me a lot in my auditioning. Instead of trying to get a part, instead of trying to do the scene well, instead of trying to do it better than other people, just find out if she wants another vodka soda. Go in and ask the reader if she wants another vodka soda. That's it. It makes it so much easier. <clears throat> and when I tell people that, you know, it's, it's the thing that we all smack ourselves in the head and go, oh, yeah, acting. That's right. But I see this light come on in people's faces and they go, oh, yeah, I can do that. I've got to find out if the reader wants another vodka soda. I have a, a little trick I'm going to share with you that I play on myself. Um, if I, when I'm in the waiting room, I don't know if the other guys have asked her, have got her drink order right. They're right. going in. All these other actors are going in. And they're all trying to get jobs, so they might be distracted. I got, I got to go in there and find out what she wants to drink. Isn't that good? That's very good. <clears throat> I, I, I stumbled on that. It was actually, it was a, I remember very specifically, it was a role on a show called The Closer. I had to explain to uh, uh, a patient what was in his chart. I was going in for a doctor. And I thought, if I don't tell them what's in the chart, they're not going to know. Mm-hmm. I put out of my mind that somebody wrote it and that, some, you know, that they read the script. I put all that bullshit out of my mind. And I don't know if the other actors have told them. So I've got to make sure, because this is important stuff, got to make sure that they know, here are our concerns. We've been looking at your chart. Nothing to panic about right now. But, and I, I went in and told them I got that job. Yeah. Is that good? That's very good. <laughs> so simple. But, it's so, but it's, I think a lot of the anxiety comes from this search for the magical read, mm-hmm. this crazy search this crazy idea of standing out, which is a terrible piece of advice that I see a lot of people give actors. Make a choice that's different. Make a choice that stands out. It's terrible advice. Mm-hmm. Terrible advice. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that means I'm going to try to do something different than what my instinct tells me is obvious. <clears throat> that's why I get, I get so revved up about teaching because it, like, it makes me so damn happy to be able to kind of unravel some of these knots that we tie ourselves into. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a good segue into. Um, I was talking to my friend Nelson uh, Brittaller right before I was talking to you, and he had a couple of questions for you. And one of them, and uh, I'm going to ask the question that he asked, and then he he prefaced it. He stopped himself and he kind of rephrased it, and you'll understand why. He says, um, "How do you stand out?" And then he said, "No, I know that that's not what you're supposed to do. I don't want to ask that question." Um, and he, we both kind of talked about the wording of it and stuff. And what he was asking is understanding that he's not supposed to stand out and do something different just to do something different. But how can an actor go into a room and the casting director or the producer and director, whoever's in the room when they leave, will go, yeah, that was, that was good. 
that's good. That's kind of what we're looking for. It's a, it, it makes so much sense. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, my answers are often counterintuitive. So I think that we have to fire ourselves from certain jobs. <laughs> we have to relieve ourselves of certain tasks. Every time the actor gives himself the task of getting picked, you are just walking into a minefield of crazy because you can't control someone else's brain. And you know that <clears throat> when you think about the fact that they don't even always cast the best choice, you know, mm -hmm. we cannot make them pick us. It's, you know, this is the crux of my teaching with audition psych 101. We can't make them pick us. And every time you feel yourself drifting towards that, yes, but what am I going to do? Yes, but, but how am I going to make this impression? You are really fucking yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you get further and further away from the thing that you are expert at, which is acting, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm going to riff on this for a minute. So bear with me because it's a it's a great question. It's a great question. Here's what I think happens. You know, for better or worse, there are some casting directors who teach classes. Some of them are very good teachers, and some of them are not. But this idea of make a big choice, make a bold choice, stand out is something that I think comes from what casting directors have seen on the other side. So they saw a choice that they went, that was unusual, that was different. But what I think they miss is that that's not how the actor got there. Are you with me so far? Yes, absolutely. They didn't get there by going, I'm going to be unusual. So I, I had a great example of this. I did an episode of Vinyl, the short-lived TV show. When I got on the set, the director said, you know, i got to tell you, we changed the whole idea of this character based on your audition. I, I didn't say anything, but I thought, I didn't see any other way to do it. I just, I did what was obvious to me that made the most sense. I certainly wasn't trying to be different. I was trying to just honor my instincts. That ended up being different from what anybody else did, but not by choice, not by manipulation. See my point? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to tell a story, and I don't know if I've told this on the podcast or not, uh, but... Uh, I, earlier this year, I booked a guest star on Chicago Med, um, and I didn't think I was, the classic thing of like, I didn't think I was right. They were, look, I'm 30, I was 32 at the time, they were looking for somebody, I think, in their 50s, um, which in a way I actually prefer. I prefer to not be like, um, like have the specs like describe me perfectly physically or whatever, because then it's kind of like, I don't know, it takes some of the pressure off me. I sort of prefer to like totally not be right for <laughs> an audition that I'm going for. But, um, so I was, uh, I was messing around with this script and I was messing around, messing around, messing around. And I kept, you know, I was memorizing it and I was thinking about it as I do, as everybody does. And I, um, there was a, there was a sort of the crescendo of the, the climax of this, uh, role was this, the role that I was playing. Um, he's supposed to be a CEO and, uh, he gets really angry for his wife for lying to him about something that she's been lying to him for, for years about. Basically, uh, long story short, he's supposed to get really angry and he's supposed to, supposed to yell and then storm out. And based on the work that I did and sort of understanding the way CEOs work and I was, I was um, applying this throughout the um, entire episode, how a CEO would, would tackle these problems, that I got to this end part and I thought this character would not be uh, angry, he would be uh, crushed. He would com be completely crushed. And uh, it was as if the, the rug had been swept out from under his feet and he was just floundering 
for the first time in the episode. And I thought, well, I'm not right for this anyway. Um, right. I'm not going to get this anyway. Right. And this is something that I want to do. I want to show them what I want to do. And it's fine that I'm not going to get it, but I want to do this. So I went and I did it. And uh, I got a, a callback uh, with a note that said, um, you have a callback for this audition. And this was, this was sent to everyone who had a callback. You have a callback for this audition. Uh, please note that uh, in the last scene, change, change it from him being very angry to him being very emotional and <laughs> quiet it way down and yeah. so forth. And I, I thought, God damn it. Yeah. They took great. my idea. Well, I look at it like, you know, you did what you did what your truth is as an actor. And this is again, we gotta keep going back to that well. You know, the anything that was trying to manipulate people to choose you is it's death, but you see that. Like what you did was so right and so truthful that they went, Yeah, that's what we want you to want everybody to do. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, which is great. I mean, you know, you did, you did, you did a service for them. You really did, which I always say, that's what we're there for mm -hmm. is to provide a service as an actor. Mm -hmm. You know, they had something on the page and you showed them, no, 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 this is what it really is. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's amazing, man. It's amazing. Thank you. That, and that really like changed, uh, the way I audition now for, for every role I look for. And I was, I was been talking to a couple people, uh, from the podcast about this, that, um, this huge change that I've had in, in the way I approach auditioning is when I walk into a room, I want to, right before I walk in, I want the thought going through my head, this probably isn't going to work and this probably isn't what you're looking for, but I really want to show you this. Right. So I mess with the script until I, until I get excited, until I find something that I am proud of, that I want to show them, even right. if I know it's not what they want or what they're expecting or what they're that's asking badass. for. To me, that's badass. That's, that's actor balls. You know, that's, to me, that's really badass because that is what we do. You know, that is, that is the work we do. That kind of audition is showing respect for your instrument, respect for your own craft, your own instincts, and, and not throwing that away. I think sometimes when we audition, we think, oh, gosh, these guys are the experts. You know, now they're, they're the people in authority. You're the person in authority. The fact is when you're in the room, there's no other guy. There's no other CEO. Mm -hmm. You have to do the job of that character. Mm -hmm. You know, otherwise it won't get done mm -hmm. in that moment. Right. You know, I was coaching somebody for, a, uh, it doesn't matter what it was, but she was, she was, uh, she was letting people, uh, the, the scene was, there was a, there was a plane crash and they, they were exploring the plane and, and she found that there were these animals that were, you know, in the, in the, in the luggage area. And she's like, we got to get these animals out. I said, if you don't tell them the animals are going to be stuck on the plane, mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the room, there's nobody else to do that job. You have to do it. Right. You know, and all that is, I love that you said you work on it till you get excited about it. I love that. Like, okay, I, I, I got to go play this scene now. Fuck the results. I can go play the scene. This episode will continue right after this. I love audiobooks, and I've been an Audible member since 2013. When you go to www.audibletrial.com slash actionpodcast, you can download your first audiobook for free. I recommend Backwards and Forwards by David Ball, recommended by Michael Kostroff, Respect for Acting by Uta Hagen, A Life in Parts by Brian Cranston, and of course, Notes to an Actor by Ron Morosco. 
the best book on acting I have ever read. www.audibletrial.com slash action podcast. Your friend's yeah. question is such a good, good question. I'm so glad he asked that. There, the, the bottom line is there is not a way to make sure you walk away with them going, wow, that was it. That was good. There's no way to do that. But I think one of the most arresting things you could do, to be honest, I, I, I do think this tends to stand out, is don't audition. Go do the character's job. Do not fucking audition for anything. Go in there and, and tell the woman you love her. Go in there and tell the suspect we're on to you. Go in there and, and find out what, what, what the patient's complaint is. And mm-hmm. just do that. Uh, yeah. it's, it, that to me is, is really arresting. That's, that's really different. Yeah. what most actors are doing. I don't think in terms of competition, there is no competition. I'm the only person in the room who can do the job because I'm the only one there. I don't mean the job, the acting job. I mean the doctor's job, the psychiatrist's job, the barber's job. you got to go in there and find out how, how they want their hair cut. So I hope that doesn't sound too simplistic, but I tell you, it's been, a, it's been a game changer for me and a game changer for the people that I've been speaking to and teaching, and particularly with these small parts. Um, uh, it's a game changer to think just, I'm just going to go in there and do the damn job, the character's job, you know? Yeah. All right. So, uh, just to take it back a second. So we're talking about, uh, five and unders or co-stars. Uh, I always hear co-star. A lot of people have heard this co-star, guest star, recurring series, regular, whatever. What is the definition of a co-star? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery definition. I mean, I'll, I'll give, I'll, I'll take my stab at it. Generally speaking, co-stars are small speaking roles on television. So you're not doing background, you're saying lines, and you're also not uh, a, a, a major character in the episode. You're an incidental character. Now, sometimes it gets into a gray area where there might be just a few lines, but it's a really crucial role, um, and then it's a guest star. I worked with a friend who was going in for a, a role on Orange is the New Black that's a flashback of a woman who doesn't speak, mm-hmm. no lines, huge guest star. She mm-hmm. was all through the episode. And sometimes it's, the casting directors will make that designation because they're like, this is going to be a really demanding role, so we're going to make it a guest star because they're figuring they're, they need to get actors who work at that guest star level. So sometimes they'll change the, change the definition of it, mm-hmm. even, if it's, uh, even if it's only a few lines. Mm-hmm. But... Just as an example, you know, members of the jury, like the jury foreman, is going to be a co-star. You know, the cop who yells freeze is going to be a co-star. Mm-hmm. Probably the, like the nurse who's calling out the stats during, during surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk about what to expect in, the, in a co-star audition. All of them are going to be different. Different casting offices have different ways of doing things. But generally, let's pretend that... Uh, you know, we're talking to people who've never been to a co-star audition, yeah. And they get an audition. It's one line. Uh, he's over there, doctor. What can they expect in that audition? Okay. They tend to be artistically not very satisfying. It tends to not. Be, I think if we go to that audition expecting a sort of a satisfying experience, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, they tend to go quickly. They tend to know what they're looking for. And I don't want to say it feels like a factory because that's a little too cold. Um, and it's, and uh, as you said, they're not all the same. But I think you really have to show up to just be of service. Like, 
you know, like like in real life, if you're the guy who comes and checks the gas meter, you don't get a very satisfying feedback on that. You just go do it. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's it's sort of almost like doing a job in anonymity where you're not uh, interacting with the public at all. You know, mm-hmm. does that analogy make sense? I think mm-hmm. I wandered off a little. Okay. No. Yeah. So yeah. So um, it's if you can't necessarily expect feedback or. Um, People to go, hey, that was fantastic. Let's let's play with it a little bit. I think they just want people to come in, give their take on it, and then they'll figure out later which person they want to put in that in that part. It's um, it's a little dry as an experience, which is w- why you have to be self-contained in terms of what you're looking for. You have to not need anything. That's really important on these auditions. I think that's important on all auditions, but even more so on co-stars. You have to not set yourself up to need some sort of sense of how you did mm-hmm. or feedback or the satisfaction of going, yeah, I got a reaction out of them or yeah, I feel like I nailed it. Because especially when the parts don't have an emotional journey or, a, or a, even a point of view, sometimes they have no point of view. Uh, well, we'll talk. In, we'll talk a little later about these videos that I've been putting out, and I put I put one out specifically about this. That's some, contrary to what we're taught in acting class. Sometimes the characters don't have a strong objective or point of view. This is all. This is all the stuff that makes these things hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so. Yeah, I think that's the main thing that I would like to communicate to your listeners about co-star auditions. If you haven't been on them, is you got to be self-contained. I'm going to go here. I'm going to say this line, and then I'm going to go on with my life, mm-hmm. because you won't get necessarily a sense of how you did. Mm-hmm. I also think it's important to be very prepared for how fast it's going to go, yes. because if yes. you if you're not prepared for that, it's easy to um, all of a sudden it's over, and you're kind of shook by the fact that it's over so quickly, and it can be yes. it's sort of a deer in the headlights feeling where you're just like. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you very much. And I just don't think it's a very good look if you get sort of stunned by that. Yes. Yes. It, it, you're, you're, oh it, God. It looks like you're expecting something that they didn't give you, and then it looks sort of amateurish, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I you. I'm excited about what you're saying because it's so right. It's so accurate. So well, you know, because you've been doing it. It's so accurate that I've had that deer in the headlights look of like, that's that's it. Yeah. Because it's over so fast, and you know it. It's like a roller coaster ride that you, you build up, you build up, you build, and then it stops. You know, right. it's like, you know, um, uh, and that's also why we have to not make more of it than, than a trip to Starbucks. It's, you know, it, these additions, we cannot, we really do, do ourselves a disservice when we build it up as important and, oh my God, I've got to get this job, I've got to impress people. It's just not going to be that. It's not going to mm-hmm. be satisfying that way, mm-hmm. you know, which is why you just set yourself up so much better when you're like okay i don't know what these guys are doing they're all auditioning i'm gonna go find out if the girl wants a drink that's my whole job and then you know you're done you're done because you're like you went in and asked her what she wants to drink right <laughs> so, right you, you know what it I mean? out yeah i'm sorry i'm harping on the one that made you nervous but that's that, it's a good example yeah you definitely. Know? you know um another question from uh from nelson is uh what about preparation um preparation for a one-line role what would that what does that look like I think uh, I honestly, honestly recommend that you get coaching for it. I know it seems it's kind of financially impractical, but maybe you have a friend you could just sort of swap coaching with or train, you know, trade with. The main thing that I recommend, I think, 
in the absence of coaching is try to get away from the idea that there's one magical read, as I've said. Try it a bunch of ways that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. try it stupid, stupid ways. Overact it, sing it. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, all of this. And I do these things in my in my coaching to sort of shake people off this death grip on the right read. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I know I'm repeating myself, but this is stuff I think people sometimes need to hear a couple of times. Don't over-rehearse. Memorize really well, because sometimes we freak ourselves out and, and blow the one line because mm-hmm. we're so freaked out about it. Mm-hmm. You know, memorize super well. And one of the jobs that I want you to fire yourself from is trying to find an emotional arc or point of view if it's not there. So this is what I always say in my in my class, my audition class is figuring out your character's job in the story. Um, when they have uh, the the checkout lady at the grocery store, and her line is, "Is that all for you today?" That character is not written into the script uh, with the idea that they want the audience to go, "Wow, there was something really interesting going on with that girl." I think she was upset and probably having a personal crisis. And uh, I think she also had a crush on the guy she was checking. This is a whole bunch of story we're trying to make up to make it interesting. That is not what they want. That's mm-hmm. not what the script wants. Mm-hmm. So the, the trick is sit back, imagine watching it on television, and think, what do I want from this character? And sometimes you, the answer is nothing. If the answer is nothing, trust that answer. Trust right. the answer. Right. Sometimes what they want is just find out is that all for you today and she's not even that interested if it's maybe if that's all for him today that's what she says to every customer it's not an emotional arc going on Mm -hmm. so that's that's one of the one of the things we have to sort of relieve ourselves of i also think that it's easy to forget about finding out why that character is in the script i think that it's easy to immediately go into memorizing or immediately go into thinking how am i going to say this or immediately start trying it different ways and you've missed the most important part which is to figure out why that line and why that character is there because it's not there on accident no it's important for some reason for some reason that person is there and that line is there otherwise they're not going to pay you for nothing they don't throw they don't put characters in tv and film for no reason there's always a reason and even if it's just to give a tiny piece of information there or is a reason. Or, or create the atmosphere of the place. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah There's always a reason. Yeah. And don't, it's easy to, to, to skip that step. Easy. It's yeah. very easy to skip that step. And then all of a sudden you are trying to build on uh, no foundation. You never figured it out. You never figured out what the foundation is. And then you're, okay. you're kind of screwed. Yes. And then that's where we get into that weird obsessive stabbing around for something that, you know, because we haven't done that basic step. Uh, and, and sometimes it's about accepting, accepting the smallness of your job, accepting it. And, and, and sometimes it's just to set up another character or just to give information or just to set the scene or, or something, you know, uh, and that has to be enough. In a weird way, your audition's not about you. We make it about us because this career, <laughs> you know, we're always like trying to get a job, trying to get ahead, trying to move things forward. But when it comes time to audition, it's not about you. You have to be the doctor and not the patient. You know what I mean? You have to be the caretaker, not the person who needs to be taken care of because it's not about you. The story is king. The audience is king. That's what's important. And so if you think, 
what's going to help the audience track the story? This is another way of looking at it. What's going to help this audience yeah. the most? If I make the checkout clerk really fascinating or if I make her absolutely not fascinating, what's going to help the audience more? Because mm -hmm. creating confusion for the audience is the, that's the unpardonable sin to me. Yeah, yeah and helping understanding what your character needs to do in order to help the story or to help the other characters. Like if one character is supposed to look really badass at the end of the episode, right? Yeah. One of the main characters is supposed to look really badass and by, the, by doing that, they stand up to a bully and you're that bully. And earlier in the script, you are in a situation where you're putting them down. Yeah. So you have to understand that in order for it to work, you have to put them down to make them look small so yes. that later they can come back and put and, 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 and triumph and make and, and you become the small one. But if you don't understand the basics of that, you have a you know long tough road to hoe. So yeah, that's very you're, important. You're you're preaching gospel here because that's it that's that's what I call doing the math. Sometimes there's math to a scene. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's interesting because I've been working on, uh, you know, I, I've taught a couple of classes on, on, uh, on comedy and, and this is more true in comedy than in, in other things where we have to support the other characters funny. Like if, if they're real hyper, the more calm you are sometimes is what makes that humor funny. The more you're like, what's the big deal? What's wrong? Sometimes is what drives their particular, you have to know what their comedic device is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it's interesting stuff. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I love puzzling through these things because it is a puzzle. And what I try to do with these co-star roles and with, with, with coaching people for them is pull away this idea uh, that it all exists in this split second. I've got one chance to show them. And it's like, fuck that. None of that's going on. None of that's going on. Sometimes the character's having a really dull, normal day at work. And I think it's the actors willing to come in and really seriously don't do anything. Mm -hmm. that are uh, that are, are more comfortable choices for the casting director. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what it is, I think you spoke about this a little bit earlier, but uh, what it is that you do in this co-star workshop? It's, uh, it's very different from my other classes. This is really a scene study class. People will either bring in co-stars that they've auditioned for or that they're going to. It's, it's still a one-nighter. One it's like it's just a you know, one, one day class, four hours or whatever. Uh, they'll bring in stuff that they've auditioned for or are going to be auditioning for, or I provide sides. And we do it like scene study. You know, it's basically like watching me coach a bunch of people on mm -hmm. co-stars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll read through it. I give them a reader. Then I try to guide them to some, some clues that are, they might have overlooked. Mm. And, you know, and I, I sort of help people learn how to really dig into those stage directions, you know, and, and look for the clues there. Look at the stuff that the casting people crossed out at, at, for context, you know, and we tried a bunch of ways and we, you know, I, I coached them, I coached them through these scenes, but it's really valuable for people to see that happen in a group uh, because then we get a lot of different examples of different kinds of co-star roles. Um, and I should say, you know, I, I think people are going to be, you know, contacting you asking about this. I don't do this class very often. Uh, I'm trying to do it more because there seems to be a demand for it, but I'll, I'll certainly be doing one next year in New York. I do have one this Saturday, the 17th in Los Angeles. Uh, and I should say at this point, everything is on the website, which is auditionpsych101.com. Um, there's no E in psych, by the way, auditionpsych101.com. Um, 
and there's still some some space in that one. Um, yeah, I don't do them often, but I but I I'm, I think I'm going to be doing them more and more because you know it seems to help people. I mean, it's it's a, it's yeah. These things are so important because it's basically they're it's level one, and contrary to a lot of people's belief, especially people who move out to LA uh, when they haven't taken any classes and never done any training or anything like that. Uh, is that they think that it's a, a lottery to be the leading man or leading woman. And yeah. uh, it's much more like a ladder, and it's very hard to skip rungs. Some, yes. It does happen, and people will cling to the stories of you know somebody walking down the street and getting spotted by Steven Spielberg or whatever. But to, discovered. Exactly, to be discovered, yeah. But to, to hang your hat on that is f- so foolish, and it's much more like a, a ladder, and you go, co-star you audition for co-stars you're you're not gonna you're very likely not gonna get guest star auditions until you have done a number of co-star auditions or and proven yourself or you've done some co-stars and then you start getting guest stars and then you start getting recurring and it's slow it's slow like that it's slow like that and also i feel very passionately that the lessons you learn uh going in for co-stars and doing co-stars serve you through all of your career and through every kind of part you're going to play get getting to the place where you understand that it's really not about you mm-hmm. and that you have to do the task of the character all the things we've been talking about are stuff that I apply to my work now as I'm playing not only guest stars but what I call the guest star that's a <laughs> sort of a subcategory where it's like you're really the plot guy mm-hmm. you know um, and those things boy those lessons continue to apply for me Right. I mean, it's also uh, just basic believability, working on basic believability. If yes. you if you understand that all you have to do is say, vodka soda, can I get you another? Or doctor is over there? Or is there anything else? And you understand that, that, that there's nothing going on with that character and, and your job is to give that little piece of information and that's it. Even then, it's still hard. Uh, it's not a walk in the park. You still no. need to do it so that it sounds like you are that person. You're just saying that line, and it doesn't sound like an actor performing, and that's yeah, I've hard. Started, I've started to really watch those performances on TV where it's a couple of lines. I'm like, damn, that person really. I thought that was a UPS guy. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> yeah. I thought that was a nurse. I didn't mm-hmm. even stop to think that that was an actor who auditioned for that role. Mm-hmm. That's nailing it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the shit. And and you know, we're talking about believability and and not overdoing it. When you watch the series regulars work, you're like, wow, they're not doing anything. They're not doing – it looks like they're not doing anything, and it plays so well. I worked with, with De Niro last year, and I, on the set, I honestly thought, man, he's just phoning it in. He's, he's not doing it anymore. And then the performance was so good on, on camera, so good, because he was going for believability, not, not showiness. You yeah. Know? When I was on uh... – Chicago Med, and then I also did a, um, I did a guest star uh, pilot thing for Fox that didn't get picked up. Um, I was talking to the main characters, like my character was uh, sharing scenes with the main characters. And I've been on sets before, uh, and I didn't, I didn't notice this before, but they are so quiet. I mean, the volume of yeah. their lines is so low, especially on... Um, on Chicago Med specifically, I was uh, I was in a scene with uh, with one of the main characters, and she was speaking so low and doing so little that I almost couldn't hear her. I almost could not hear her, and I, I thought, know. 
I thought, oh my God, she is doing so little. She's doing nothing. And then I watch yep. it. I watch it and I, it's perfect. Yep. It, it reads. It makes sense. Of course, she was doing stuff all along. I mean, that I just, it's just so subtle. Subtle. So imagine, like, if that's the big emotional story we're supposed to follow, imagine how little they want from the secretary who swings by and says, I'm going to lunch. You want to come? Yeah. I mean, you know, imagine how much less they, they want from that person. I know, minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, minuscule. So they, they, they sit and they watch, watch a, a string of actors trying to make an impression, trying to get a job trying to be interesting and different and unusual, and it's exhausting. And that's why, going back to your friend's question, again, the thing that I think stands out is to really simply do that little task, the little task that that character has to accomplish. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I did want to ask you, uh, you started doing some, some uh, video tips, uh, and I was just uh, watching one right before we started called Slow Down. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, about that? So, okay, I, uh, as your listeners may know, I, I teach a four-hour class called Audition Psych 101 that I've done all over the country for going on 15 years now, and it's about the psychological part of the audition. <clears throat> and it's four hours long, and there are all these little minute things about auditioning that I, I never get to because the class is already long. And so I started doing, just as sort of a gift to the community, these little five to eight-minute videos on all the little minutiae that I can think of, I've done one on just like running late, when you're running late to an audition. I've done one about getting an adjustment in the room, and they're going to be coming out every week. There'll be a new one every week for a year. Um, I'm really, really enjoying making them. People seem to really enjoy doing them. And it's all the stuff nobody ever talks about. It's the little, little, tiny little things, you know. They're on the website. They're, you know, Audition Psych 101. There's a, there's a tab for weekly videos. And... They are yours to share, use, you know, whatever you like. Mm -hmm. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you one listener question that's not really related to co-star roles, but, um, but my Facebook has crashed. So oh, okay. uh, if you could just, uh, if you could read that question out from Danielle, that okay. would be, uh, that'd be great. Okay. Um, Danielle says... I just want to say thanks to Mr. Kostroff, you're welcome, and you can call me Michael, um, for this grounded and honest advice. Uh, I want to ask, what can an older beginning actor do to book more roles? However, I suspect his answer will be the same as what he would tell beginning young actors. I just feel a sense of panic that I don't have much time. Still, I continue to work hard, take classes, and hand in my best auditions time after time. It's hard to stay optimistic sometimes. Okay. Uh, well, okay, so Danielle, you're right. I'm going to tell you what I tell uh, young actors, which is uh, I don't know that there's an answer. Uh, if there was, we'd all be doing it. Let me tell you what's not going to change. What's not going to change is that most of the things we audition for, we're not going to get. What's not going to change, and I'm going to just tough love you here, is that there just are not as many roles for older people, particularly older beginners. And I'm not trying to depress you. We just have to deal in reality. And the reality is, that unfortunately, there are not as many roles for, for women than, as there are for men. It sucks. It's bad, you know. Um, so I think we have to find our joy and our optimism and our enjoyment of our careers elsewhere. When I say elsewhere, I mean someplace other than booking roles. Because I, I'm going to get deep with you for a minute, Danielle. The, the, the reality is 
what if you start booking more roles? Then you're going to want more. <laughs> you're going to want more and better and bigger. And that's, that's only right because you're an artist, you know. But I really feel that the, the key in this career to our happiness and mental health is to really enjoy the class, the audition, the discussion with a fellow actor, the experience of going to see a show. And enjoy and relish what we have. And I, I God, I hate positive thinking and I, I, I hate when I sound positive, but this is a mental health thing because otherwise we'd all be driving ourselves crazy. Because trust me, so, you know, I, I'm at a level, I, I'm a, I have a really, really lucky, successful career, but there are plenty of things that I don't have that drive me crazy uh, that I, I've had to realize I don't have control over, you know? And I know this is not a satisfying magical answer, but that's the point. There's no, there's no, there's no magic. There's no magical thing you could do to start getting more work. You're doing all the things you're taking class. You're turning in great auditions. You said it yourself. And I think it's why I, I've said that I advocate low expectations. I would think the question you have to ask yourself is what if this is it? What if this is it? Do you still want to do it? And I bet the answer is yes. To find out more about Michael and to sign up for one of his workshops, go to auditionpsych101.com. If you find this podcast beneficial, please go to iTunes and give me a rating and review. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.